0: Hello guys, welcome back to the Calum Sully podcast, this is episode 37 and I'm joined on this episode by my guest Emily Zorn. Emily, a registered dietitian, she graduated um, at University of Ohio for sports nutrition, she's worked with athletes including uh, the Chicago Club Miners, the state of Illinois, so she she's done a lot. She runs her own podcast called RDs vs BS, which is right up my street. Dietitians calling out BS. There's no better listening material. So I was over the moon when she reached out to me and we spoke to get on the show because, well, she's everything that I represent, you know. Not a massive fan of diet companies and we go into full detail on why that is. We talk all about diet culture we talk about habits, we talk about the all or nothing approach, which I've spoken about a lot on the podcast, which is this idea that when people want to make a change, they try and do everything at once, and that's not always the right way to go. So, let's get into the episode, because I I was very excited about this one, um, and it was a great episode. So, this is episode 37, we're talking all about Diet Culture and Habits with my guest, Emily Dunn. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Callum Podcast. I am joined today by a special guest, one I was very excited about because uh, this guest is a dietitian from the States and I've always wanted to have a chat with a dietitian because a dietitian is usually evidence-based, practices evidence-based nutrition, which is exactly what I do. And, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. So ears up, guys, because this will be a good one. So, um, my guest is Emily Zorn. Hello, Emily. How are you?
1: Hello. Hello. I'm doing so well. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited for today.
0: No problem. So, you're in sunny Cali, right?
1: Yes. Not so sunny today. I know you're experiencing some weather yourself, and it's Mm. raining here, which is also kind of unheard of. So, we need it, though. We're in a drought. So, we'll take it.
0: I I have a lot of listeners from Canada, strangely enough. Um, Great. So, there'll be more... Um, they'll relate to my weather situation a hell of a lot more than they'll relate to yours yes. on the west coast of America. Um, yeah, hail, snow, and as I said to Emily before this, we actually had yesterday morning at 5 past 6 a mini tornado, not in my town but very close, um, for about 45 seconds. Um oh my But people in my town could hear it. So loads of people commenting on Facebook, oh, my God, that woke me up. Like, I heard it. Um, My gym was open, so uh, my staff that was there at the time, they heard it. Um, And it did, yeah, it tore through a little village just on the outskirts, and it did rip down some trees and some buildings.
1: Oh, my (laughs) god! What the hell?
0: And we've had sun, rain, hail, snow, and even a tornado in 48 hours. Brilliant.
1: Oh, but we're still here. We're still here talking about... Health and nutrition,
0: and I love it. You can't. We're still here, but for that reason, guys, if you if you're watching this on video and you wonder what the background is, I am in my daughter's room because of the weather. So uh, try and keep. I've tidied it up the best I can to try and keep that um, in mind. So Emily, just I've got loads to pick your brains, but before we do that, give us a bit of a brief brief detail about about you and and how you got into this and, and your background
1: definitely yeah so my name emily zorn and i'm a registered dietitian i started off my career as a sports nutritionist so i was working with collegiate and professional athletes here in the states and i did that for a few years and then decided i was gonna make a switch so i started my own business and while i still work with people who are active i have a much wider reach of clientele now it's not just athletes I really enjoy working with just people who want to get healthy, have tried every diet, have failed at every diet because diets are not meant to succeed, right? Or the diet culture, diet industry would not exist. So I'm here to help people just find a long-term sustainable solution to a problem that many of us have, which is, I just wanna be healthy, but I don't wanna have to suffer through a diet. I don't wanna have to give up my favorite things. I don't wanna have to never go out to eat with my friends or family again. So just really giving people hope, giving them a a path, teaching them how they can trust themselves, trust their bodies and trust that they're able to make the right decision when it comes to food and recognizing that that's different for every person. It's not gonna be one size fits all. I never give the same recommendations to two people because everyone's very different, so yeah, that's my story.
0: Awesome, and I think I think that's the a lot of people, um, particularly some of the listeners here in the UK, they they might not know the difference bes- between, say, a nutritionist or a dietitian. You know, they're not quite clued up on um, what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the time here, they just think dietitian is. Close to a doctor, you know, because they're usually NHS based here in the UK. So, you know, it, it's some someone their doctor, will, their GP will refer to when there might be, you know, an intolerance of some sort or, or, or something like that. But imagine over there, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different.
1: Yeah, so I think it does differ for every country. Like I've met dieticians in Canada and. Their approach is a little bit different, but here in the States, to be a registered dietitian, you have to go to four years of college and there's a specific university, which there's a specific courses you have to take and accredited programs, you have to do that. And then you have to do a one-year internship with many rotations. So we shadow dietitians in a clinical setting, in a long-term care facility, with food service, all sorts of different settings and then we have to pass a board exam, and then you can be a registered dietitian. So while anyone can call themselves a nutritionist, only people who've gone through that process can call themselves a registered dietitian. That being said, here in the States, most people don't know that anyway, so I'm always preaching that too. Like, yes, there is a difference. So if you do want a very evidence-based approach, someone who, it's not going to be big on you know pushing specific diets it's really about personalization that is what you would go for for a dietitian and also i'm sure there are many fantastic nutritionists out there it's just going to be a little bit of a different approach they don't have the necessarily the education background the internship the board exams the continuing education all of that so it's interesting that you say in the uk Dietitians kind of thought of as, you know, on the doctor side, we definitely do have that here. That's a big piece of what registered dietitians do. Um, but on the other side, there's, you know, sports dietitians as well, and dietitians like myself who do nutrition coaching with people one on one. So we're in all sorts of different areas, but that's what it takes to become a registered dietitian here in the States.
0: Brilliant. And, um, want to. There was something I wanted to talk to you about a bit later on, which was my own dietary experience. So I'm mm-hmm. asthmatic um, was interesting because um, I always believed that asthma was um, an autoimmune situation stemming from probably diet. Uh, it can be allergy induced and stuff. Um, and I made a dietary change back in 2020 before the the pandemic hit, and and something strange happened. But I'm going to get. I, I want to ask you about it, but I'll save sure. that to later on. I want to um, let's talk about the the all or nothing approach, then Emily, because I know that that's something that we we both agree on, and there's quite a lot, guys, that we are going to agree on on this on this episode. But I was just talking about this today with my mother in law, and this is something the all or nothing approach for those listening basically is this idea that when people want to make a change, they just, it's either they're all in or not at all. So for example, it could be, right, that's it. A a perfect example here, uh, well, I suppose anyway, is new year's resolutions, right? New year, new me, right? Mm -hmm. And we're all guilty of it or used to be or whatever and basically, right. I'm going to uh, do dry January. I'm going to stop drink, drinking alcohol. I'm going to, n- no chocolate, no crisps. I'm going to eat fruit five times a day. I'm going to work out five times a week. I'm going to go running. I'm going to go swimming. I'm going to have gonna get on a bike. I'm going to lift weights. I'm going to eat only purple fruits. Uh, you know, before we've even got anywhere, and, and this kind of ties into habits, which we're going to talk about a bit later as well, but that's what the all-or-nothing approach is, and, and it's this idea that people think, I have to completely go from A to B without, you know, finding that balance. Um, so, Emily, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on this approach?
1: Yeah, so, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, yes, this is something that probably 80% of the people I work with say, this is something I experience, right? All or nothing thinking. Like you said, that you either have to be all in eating, perfectly. And then when you eat one chocolate chip cookie, everything falls apart. And then you say, whatever, I'm going to eat whatever I want from here on out. And then it's nothing. So I think the first thing with that is that people are conditioned to think that they have to be all in in order to get healthy and see a change. Again, because diet culture tells you that they tell you, oh, what you're doing now is not good enough. So here is a solution. Follow all of these rules, eat this, and don't eat these things, and you'll be good. Yeah, it's going to suck and yeah, it's going to be a drag, but do it, right? Like this This is going to work. So we're really conditioned to think that, well, if I want to be healthy, I need to suffer. It needs to not be fun. So I think that's one piece of it. And the other piece is it's just much more straightforward to have rules. And, you know, many humans you who know, are rule followers, this is perfect for them. Like these are the rules. You can't eat dairy and you can't eat gluten and you can't eat sugar, but you can have vegetables and you can have protein, this, this, and that. So it makes it a lot easier to make those choices when there are only so many things that you can eat, right? It's a complicated world out there in the food nutrition world. There are endless combinations of foods that you can have and what your days would look like food-wise, it gets complicated. So I think people are drawn to the idea of all or nothing because it's much simpler. Now, what I try to preach and what I know you try to preach is let's find a balance, but there is no definition of specifically what balance is. It's not black and white, and it never will be. I always tell people it's all about putting yourself through these situations and figuring out what balance looks like in all of those situations in your life. So for example, you know, maybe someone springs a last minute happy hour on you and you had eaten really, really well that whole day. Do you say no and miss out on the socialization or do you say yes and figure out what's it gonna look like for me to have fun, to be able to spend time with my friend, but also find that moderation. So it's a lot harder because there are endless situations we can be in. But I tell people it is so much more worth it in the end when you put in the effort to figure out what balance does look like for you in every common situation that's gonna happen throughout your life than to constantly be in this all or nothing mindset, which is detrimental to our mental health, our emotional health, and also physically. You know, the diet cycling with gaining a bunch of weight and losing a bunch of weight, that's not good for our metabolism either. So I always tell people it's gonna be harder to figure out what balance looks like, but it's gonna be worth it because in the end, there will come a time where everything fits together and you're just feeling a lot more at peace with your food situation. And I think that's really what everyone's end goal is.
0: Yeah, and I I think a lot of it is people – I I find that people want results immediately. Um, It's instant instant gratification. And I put a post about this just recently on on my social media, which was, you know, for most people who are in a position where – Let's, for this case, speak about changing your body. Let's talk about weight loss, because that's what most of my listeners are are, are centered around. And and let's suggest if someone wants to lose, you know, 24 pounds, right, or a couple of stone here, and and they want to do it immediately, but they didn't do, they didn't gain that weight immediately they didn't do it in a month it's probably it's been accumulated over months weeks months even years of bad habits and people somehow think that they can just get rid of that very quickly so like you said it sounds attractive to right well if i just stop everything that i'm doing that's wrong people know what they're doing people know they're eating an excess of calories. You know, people know that their their, their cupboards and that their fridge is full of stuff that they probably should be eating less of. They know they need to exercise. They know, but it's much easier to go, right, I'm just going to stop all that and then I'll get results quickly. But like you said, in the reality, well, this is what I posted about. You don't get into the relationship with food. And and that's where the the problem lies because you, 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 You need to have a good relationship with food. I don't know if you'd agree, Emily. If you you want to make any kind of change, that's fine, cutting stuff out. We know what's bad for us. But to just go completely, I I compare this, and I know this is quite an extreme view, but I compare this to an alcoholic, right, or Mm. a drug addict, because food itself is not a drug, but we know. The foods that feel that make taste good and make us feel good release feel good chemicals in the brain endorphins serotonin that is addictive right that's what we we crave so if we just go cold turkey and cut off all the stuff that make us feel good we're going to crave it even more and then most people don't have that self-discipline and then they'll just go over but i see this happen with client after client after client all the time they do really well on the all or nothing approach usually in january and then bang that's it Mm. they've gained they've gained half a stone they've gone backwards and they've just over overindulged what would you so, so what would your tips be what would your advice be so we we know what the stance on the all or nothing approach is If someone's listening now, thinking, "Okay, I get it. What what can I do instead?" And I know you said it's relative, but as a general approach,
1: yeah, definitely. Well, first, just to build off what you were just saying um, about kind of the emotional eating of this food makes me feel good, so I eat it. Um, Maybe this isn't a great tip to start with because it's probably one of the hardest ones. But I would recommend that. If you have the time, really notice when you eat certain foods and why. What are we trying to get from eating a chocolate chip cookie, right? Or, you know, a piece of cake. When we get into those emotional eating times, what is it that we're trying to get? What emotion is missing that we're trying to get and finding a way to get that in a way that isn't food related? Because I get it, food is so quick and easy, and it takes two minutes to eat a piece of cake, and then you get these good feelings, but those good feelings are fleeting and then they end up going away, right? So, and this is something that's very hard to do by yourself, right? So this is where coaching comes in, but figuring out what are some other things that I could do that aren't food related that will make me feel comforted, make me feel happy, anything like that. And it's going to be much more likely to be a longer lasting emotion. So some of those things for and again, personalization matters, but for some people that could be something as easy as just taking a bath, calling a friend, doing something that you enjoy, like reading a book or watching your favorite show. Like there, there are endless opportunities, but it's really about looking in and figuring out what's missing. What emotion am I trying to get? from the food so that like i said is kind of the most difficult tip but one that really paired nicely with what you were just saying um but yeah to avoid being in that all or nothing mindset i would really first and foremost recommend that people set a realistic standard for themselves i think that's really the issue is that when we set our standards so high like you said I'm going to work out every day and I'm not going to mm. eat any sugar and I'm not going to I'm only going to eat purple foods whatever it is and then we don't meet that we just feel guilt and we feel like a failure and that's not good again adds into the emotional eating so set a realistic standard for yourself another thing that I am really a big proponent of is slow and steady habit changes so not doing it all at once and really celebrating small wins. So instead of trying to change 10 things all at once, change one thing. And this is what I do in my coaching is, I help people focus on one thing at a time. And we focus on that for one to two weeks, just that. Maybe it's hydration, instead of whatever amount of water you're drinking, drink a little bit more. And we'd set those numbers with the person, but just focusing on that, having that become a habit, And then, hey, that feels like a win. I've got momentum, let's add one more thing to it. And this takes way longer than jumping into a diet and expecting big changes in three weeks, right? But going about it this way, if you add on a new habit every week for eight weeks, by the end of eight weeks, you have eight new habits that you're going to be able to continue and continue seeing results over time that actually lasts. So you mentioned the, you know, people want quick results. I would yeah. argue that quick results are detrimental to our body because when we lose 24 pounds or two stone in a month, the body knows something's up, right? That it says it's slow and steady. So as soon as you start, you know, stop eating that super, super restrictive way and start eating like you did before, you'll gain it all back. So the slower and the steadier the weight loss, the more it's going to stay off over time. You just have to be patient. Like that's probably the number one thing that I I tell people is with this approach, you have to have patience. You have to be able to look into the future and say, these changes I'm making now, I'm going to stick with forever. So let's make them changes that aren't feeling like impossible, that aren't something that oh, I can't imagine doing this for the rest of my life. It needs to be that small that this change, I could stick with most days for the rest of my life. And that is where we get out of the diet cycle.
0: You know, you could literally be my spirit animal, Emily, because you've literally just described (laughs) my main program or my main service. The difference is six weeks, but we do exactly that. And, and people that are listening that have done it will be nodding along now, that's exactly what we do. And the mm-hmm. way that we do it, my formula is very simple, One, I introduce one daily habit at a time, and then I add another one, and then I add another one. So the first thing we do, which is I call it sort of my formula, my blueprint, because the very first and foremost when it comes to fat loss or, or any kind of body transformation is calories, right? But people forget that it's not just about the calories coming in. We've got to burn more. Mm. And I tend to find it's much easier to get people into the habit of increasing their TDE and, and and being more active. That's the better way than any diet. It's like diets are about restriction, whereas I tend to be more about implementation. I'm trying to add more stuff to make it more enjoyable and, 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 and um give the body something to work with you said before about you know the the body's like well what's up well, I, we want that if it's in the right way but mm-hmm. if you're just following a diet that's just yeah restrict restrict restrict. you can't you can't you can't remove something unless it's replaced with something i find and basically on the on the first week of the work off which is my program week 1 10,000 steps a day every day post a screenshot for accountability Calories, get into the idea of moving more than your bed. Week two, protein. Next thing on the list, okay? So we're we're trying to chase, I think, 80 gram at the start. You know, let's try and get 80 gram of protein, which is doable for most people. Uh, Obviously, most people could do with a hell of a lot more. But in in, in the Western world, that's just not normal to most people. Um, You know, chase the habit. Get on our calorie calculator, post a screenshot, accountability. Week three, hydration water, two litres of water a day. Week four, actually, we switch away from it and start focusing on some form of meditation or journaling or a bit of downtime, because we know how important recovery is, particularly after workouts. And then I think on week five, uh, that's when I add like, okay, fruit and veg, because by that point of the program, we've already started to feel the changes in our body. And and as I'm sure you, you already know, Emily, but when you've changed your diet and you start implementing m- vitamins and minerals, your body thanks you for it. it. You can literally feel your body being like, yes, please, I love this. So by that point, and then and then all they all just stack on top of each other, and it does get harder. But then I, what I do at the end of the program when people have got results is I tend to remind them, let's think back to your first week when I first set you do 8,000 steps a day. And now here we are, week six. You're doing fifteen, sixteen thousand without really giving it much, much thought. None of that would have been possible if I'd have just gone right. Let's do all of that yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Go. Mm. So that's pretty much exactly what I do, Emily.
1: I love it. It's really empowering people to, at the end of the day, not need us anymore. And as a business person, maybe that's not the right approach. But as a person who cares about other people and just wants them to be healthy for the rest of their lives this is the approach it's not about making them you know need you forever for accountability and oh you have to do all of these things all at once and you can only do that if i'm checking in with you every day no it's about empowering them building up these habits and having people look back on where they started and realizing that yes this slow and steady approach can actually accomplish so much more over time if you do that. So very cool that we are in, you know, two separate continents across the world, but came up with the this approach for nutrition, for working out, like it's just, it's really cool. And it shows, I know you see it with your clients, I see it with mine, mm-hmm. it really works. People are bought in and they're willing to take some time, be patient, focus on one thing at a time, it works in
0: the long term. I agree, and it, it's not like it's reinventing the wheel either. Like, yeah, it's very simple stuff, and mm-hmm. I'm quite modest. I'm quite modest. I, I say to them, but well, I'm not doing anything spectacular. Right. I'm not, waving, I'm not waving a magic wand. You said something interesting before about you know it's getting them to be able to do it themselves. Autonomy is the exact thing that I'm trying to do because. Mm-hmm. I have an online membership group. So obviously when it comes to business, yeah, I like like to keep working with people. But the way that I do it is I'll do a six-week challenge four times a year, four, maybe five times a year. But I actively tell people they will get phenomenal results. But I will say to them, look, I like repeat business, but we have to be realistic here. You can't just keep signing up to challenge after challenge after challenge because like you said before, you're going to gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, Mm -hmm. because you become so dependent on that challenge that as soon as it's over, you don't know what to do anymore. So then I have an online membership group, which I know you you, you will be coming into um, in a couple of weeks. But what I do there is more, okay, It's I kind of see it as I've held your hand through six weeks and shown you my methods and, and how I would suggest to do it. Now I'm still going to be there to guide you but I'll only intervene when it's needed this is kind of your journey now I've given you the tools go and do it and when you need a bit of support I'll jump in change things up slow things down a little bit and I imagine you just you do do something very similar
1: yeah yeah so my my approach is definitely different than many other dietitians that I've heard of where in that case it's you have an initial meeting and then follow up, follow up, follow up until the person falls off and decides that you know they don't want to or don't need to anymore. Um, my approach is all programs and packages, and it's personalized based on each person I talk to. So if you go on my website, my programs and packages are not on the website because I don't want people looking that, at that and thinking, oh, yeah, this is what I need. This is what I need, that, that, that. I like working together with people and hearing their situation, what they're doing, what their goals are, what's worked in the past, what hasn't worked, what foods they like and, don't, and all of that. And then coming up with an approach together that works best for them, how long it's going to be, how many weeks, and also our specific approach. So yeah, it's again, very personalized, depends on the person because we are all different. We all need a different approach and also need different you know, nutrition as well, depending on our goals, depending on who we are, depending on what our body responds well to.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the thing as well when you say about we're all individual. But so many people will join a diet because, oh, my friend did this and it worked for them. Mm -hmm. So I should try that. Or have you heard of this? Uh, We're going to get into diets now. Mm -hmm. Have you heard, you know, my... My friend's doing keto. Oh, she's dropped eight eight pounds, and you know. Uh, oh, my sister's doing uh, Slimming World, and she's it's like, yeah, but not everyone has that. What, what's worked for one person, and you—you and you definitely know this is a dietitian, but everybody's body is different. Everybody's metabolism is different. Everybody's genetics are different, you know. And people completely forget the endocrine system. You know, hormones do play a part, and and we have to, uh, you know. I'm not saying a calorie deficit doesn't override all of it, but there are restrictions. There are things that you have to consider. There are things that, I don't know, I'm always careful here with, with gender neutrality, but there are things that guys might be able to do differently that, that ladies will struggle with or and, vi- and vice versa, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think bespoke nutrition, which is exactly what you do, is, is 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 a way to go i think it's you and, and obviously as a dietitian like we have dietitians here it, that your your job is to go deep into right let's have a look let's see what's what you need to have what things we should probably take out rather than just kind of buying a program online and going oh yeah i'm, I'm on this i'm on the i've mentioned the purple fruits diet before because it's quite popular um in 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 asia it's, it's very popular just just only eat well blueberries is, falls into that and i've got a i've got oh. a question about that because
1: blue is in the name <laughs> yeah
0: i'm kind of like the bluebreeze really as purple That's so funny. restrictive diets and this is the bit i was excited for because people who know me they, they know uh, i'm not a fan and i have got a bit softer in the more recent years emily compared to what I used to be um <laughs> I used to be a bit more about calling out BS. Okay, I still kind of am, mm-hmm. but now I've taken a bit more of a patient, um, a patient approach. Which is that look, I'm never going to be able to change people's minds, and, and and I've also studied a lot of psychology. If someone's telling you to not do something you're going to want to do it because no one, no one wants to be spoken to. So I try and change things a different bit. And I try and still explain to people why restrictive diets aren't great and why I'm against them, but without making people feel bad for doing them. So I try and focus more on the alternative approach. Why do you think people just are so obsessed with this idea of jumping on a diet straight away? Do you think it's a little bit like what you said before? It's just easier, even though it's probably not. What, what is the attraction?
1: Yeah, I think the attraction is partially what you said earlier is people will hear from friends, family members that this way of eating worked for me and it has these rules. So if you do it as well, you're going to have the exact same experience as me. So I think it's that hope that, hey, I've been trying to figure out, balance my whole life, haven't been able to do it, so maybe this is the answer. I haven't tried it yet, so I'll try it. And there are so many different ways of eating that have worked for so many different people and different diets that it's endless. There can always be something new for someone to try. so. If they've tried forty diets and none have worked, but then they hear about paleo and they haven't done that yet, well, maybe that will work. So I think that's a piece of it. I think another piece of it is with many of these diets, you do get results very quickly, and that that becomes an addictive feeling, right when people again, another issue with this is that in society, we tend to call out when people have lost weight and say, oh my gosh, you look amazing. And it happened in just a month. What did you do? Like praising that people get hooked on that feeling of when I lose 20 pounds, people notice me, people say positive things. So yes, it's the diets, but it's also all of us in society who call out when people lose weight and say, oh, what a good thing. You're, it's like, you look great, all of this, but don't compliment people on a regular basis, you know, not when they lose weight. So that's a piece as well. So yeah, I think it's because a lot of people when they try diets, they work when they're on them. They stop the diet, they gain the weight back. So all they know is when I do a diet, I lose weight and I feel good. So I'll do another diet where if they were able to figure out a balanced approach that worked for them, it would stop the you know the cycle of doing diet losing weight stopping diet gaining weight so they wouldn't be going back to other diets like once you figure out balance you never want to do another diet again because you're able to enjoy all of your foods and go out to eat and go on vacation do all the things that you want and still feel great be healthy and just be in a positive mental place but when we're in that situation, people don't always talk about that as much as they do when they are vegan. Like in general, I know this is kind of like a joke, but in general, people who are vegan will let you know that they are vegan because it's very challenging. So it's a big part of their life. But when people, when everything's balanced and people have it all figured out, they're not really talking about it as much. Maybe we should, right? Like being excited about, hey, I've found balance and, you know, now life is good and I don't have to diet anymore. But it's just a lot more chatter around the diets and wanting to share because it does feel like something that's really challenging and people should be proud of themselves of doing something challenging. But um, yeah, they want to talk about it a lot. So people hear that and assume, well, everyone who's healthy. Everyone who is, you know, looks like they're in a good place. They must be on a diet. There must be some silver bullet, some answer that I haven't figured out yet. So for all of those reasons, I think that's why people are pulled back to diets so frequently. I mean,
0: it makes sense. I think sometimes what I struggle with is I almost feel like people turned a blind eye to some things that are almost right there staring you in the face. So, So Slimming World is my arch nemesis, right? I, I detest it I detest them and for many reasons now I don't have a problem with people doing it I get why because all the reasons you just said I get it it's exciting let's follow a points-based system let's put all points on fats because fats contain more calories per gram than carbs and protein so by default you're going to be in a calorie deficit because we're removing the macronutrient that has the most calories in right but in return you can eat unlimited pasta, Sin free, right? And, and it's this word we're throwing around, sin, right? Which they say stands for synergy. No, we know oh. what you have called it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The same reaction I have. No. Nice. No. It's it doesn't. So, so they, they actually spell it S-Y-N-S, and mm-hmm. it's big in the UK. In fact, the NHS, like, partner with them. They refer them, which is another problem I have because it's very counterintuitive. So they don't like you exercising. Because they oh. do like – because they have – the Slimming World have, like, weekly weigh-ins. So you go to the Slimming World club, and basically, Emily, you pay, like, £6 or whatever to go and step on the scales in front of a group of people and be judged by a woman with a clipboard who has no nutritional qualification whatsoever for gaining a pound on a Monday evening at 7 p.m. Now, there's so much to pick apart there. But I can almost deal with that bit. I can understand that people have caught in the the weighing cycle, you know, it's all about scale weight, scale weight, scale weight. The bit that I mean when I I get confused if people just turn a blind eye to things. So their SIN system is a points-based system, and we have another one, Weight Watchers, very similar. But avocado is SINs, right? Bad. It's got SIN points. And the way that they do it is you're only allowed a set amount of SINs per day. Oh and you 'll find that most of the foods yeah, and most of the foods that have sins are usually high in fat, okay so that includes healthy fats that includes mono polo, and saturated fats so we 're talking about fish we 're talking about avocados we 're talking about nuts and you know oils and stuff, so an avocado and and is bad, but you can eat as much pasta as as you want. <sighs> And here's the, so, so part of me is like, guys, come on. Let's really, are we, are we, are we, are we thinking, are we, are we listening to that logic and thinking that makes sense? But here's another one. If you're not aware of this, Emily, here's a, here's a great, you'll love this one Mm -hmm. because this is an ongoing joke. And a, a lot of fitness professionals go at them for this banana, right? A banana on its own is sin free as all carbs are apparently, but a mashed-up banana has sim points. Why? Because it releases synergies, they say.
1: Oh boy! Okay, so I I've never heard of Slimming World before, so this is go
0: and check it out. Go and I, check it
1: out. I do have I have a podcast where we do call out BS, and I think that there is a lot of potential in this one. Mm. I have so many thoughts. I feel like we could record a whole other episode on why this is bad but thank you for sharing that with me because yeah that's not something i would recommend for people yeah, on there
0: levels. you go i'm, I'm gonna cap i'm gonna i'm going to clip that very <laughs> bit right there and post that and go there you go a dietitian says that's not a good <laughs> idea there you go, guys. I rest my case. mark drop. <laughs> I've been saying it for years. No, but the yeah, but the, the thing is, and obviously it's counterintuitive because what do you do when you chew banana? You mush it up. It, it's ridiculous. And
1: right. most
0: people, when I say that, they know that. But yet, it's a multi-million, even billion-pound company. Mm-hmm. Like how and the industry itself and then we've got really stupid ones which we we could go into it like you say a whole uh-huh. different time because we are this slip this slim, slim paste, weight loss toothpaste there's now things uh-huh. i'm seeing on tiktok where people just put a ring on their finger and it releases chemicals that encourage fat loss skinny coffee is a is another one uh-huh. fat, burn, fat burning coffee beans emily think about that <sighs>
1: This
0: is fascinating. I... It's, it's big in this in this country. It's the diet. Honestly, the diet industry is terrible, and that's what makes the, people think that um, personal trainers rival against other personal trainers. No, our enemy is the diet industry yes. that is 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 actually causing a. a, a a link with eating disorders, poor relationship with food. It's it's throwing people to go and having surgery and stuff rather than changing. Uh, again, we come back full circle. Habits, that's the okay. key thing right there. You're you're not changing the core thing that got you to where you were to begin with. You're just trying to restrict everything. Now, I mentioned at the start, Emily, before we, we call it a day, I, I basically changed my diet because I'm asthmatic. And I'd been told for years, it's, it's, oh, it's milk, it's wheat, it's this. And, you know, a lot of holistic people were like, oh, no, no, it's wheat. It's uh, fair enough. And I'm always open-minded about it. But here's what I did do. And it was, yes, my my wife and my daughter were um, watching the Game Changers on Netflix, right? Nice. I don't know what your thoughts, thoughts are on that. But I was always quite pessimistic. I'm a bit like, mm, you know, balance is the key. But, um, they come down and they go right, that's it. We're not eating meat red meat anymore i, I I've done now, ethically, I was going to do it for ethical reasons anyway, right We mentioned veganism before we won't um we won't rustle any feathers, but okay, I'm fine, I, I want to cut out some red meat now, literally, under a week, I'd gone from taking a blue inhaler to none at all, right. And this went on for about a year, okay? My eczema on my skin cleared, asthma, pretty much gone. In fact, I ended up getting into the fire service, okay, in that year, something I'd avoided for a long time because of my asthma, and I passed, I got through, which I don't believe I would have done. What do you think happened And this is a genuine question. This is not, this is because I still try and struggle because I don't quite believe in some of the stuff the game changers were saying, but for me, I removed something from my diet, which was in this case pork and beef. Okay, mm-hmm. and it did fix my health. Then I've started eating meat again for for one reason or another, and it has come back. So, okay. I'm asking you, as a dietitian, having you on here, what do you reckon?
1: Yeah. That's that's really interesting. And this is the thing with food is we don't know everything. We don't know all the science about food yet. I will, before I go further down this path, I will say um, game changers. I have a whole podcast episode on game changers, so definitely give it a listen. We do not give it a very high rating. In fact, it gets the BS stamp. The podcast really? is called RVs versus BS. It definitely gets the BS stamp just because the science is not great. But that doesn't mean that what you've experienced is not real and true and works for you. Now, I would really caution anyone who is listening to this right now who says, well, I have asthma. Maybe maybe I need to cut off, out beef, beef and pork. Try it. If it works, great. If it doesn't, there's probably something else that your body's reacting to. And it really goes back to, every body is different. So people who have asthma, maybe it is from allergies, maybe for you it's from pork and beef, maybe for someone else it is because of dairy, maybe someone else it's gluten, like it's just our body reacting to something that is not sitting well with it. It's not It's not processing it very well. So. Amazing that for you, you've been able to figure out that this is what it is. So you know now if I eat beef, if I eat pork, the asthma's gonna come back, the eczema is gonna come back. But this isn't gonna be the same case for every single person. And
0: Absolutely.
1: and we just nutrition, we have a lot more to learn why. I at this point, I there's no there's no research or explanation for why that is the case. We just, from what we have now, what we can work with is that if something is off in the body, we can try to figure it out nutritionally. And sometimes it is cutting certain things out. And in that case, yes, like a food that doesn't make you feel good is not good for you. Even if it's kale, even if it's a banana, things we know are healthy. If you don't feel good eating it, it's not good for you. So that's why we also can't just label all food, like All red meat is bad because some people feel great eating it. You feel terrible. So it's every food. It's not black and white. It's all about how we, our bodies respond, how we feel to eating a certain diet, to eating certain foods. And our experience cannot be plastered across the rest of humanity and say, well, now everyone needs to do this because it worked for me. Um, And again, why that is, we still have... We still have to learn i'm excited to hear where or see where nutrition research takes us in the future but for now i'm just happy you figured that out right because that's fantastic that you were able to bring it down to one thing and really recognize that this is a direct relationship and if i don't eat this i feel better so i would recommend continuing to not eat it
0: yeah i mean it's bizarre um, But because, like, like you said, to me that was very alerting. Like, I, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't really know about this. I've, I've never been a fan of blaming a certain food group as a direct mm-hmm. link to a health condition. I, I tend to think it's a bit of a cop out sometimes. Yeah. Um, I always think it's a combination of many different things. But it kind of tied back. When, because that experience happened to me, and we mentioned before earlier on, on the episode about why people will follow diets and because we list said it's because of its, its excitement, something new, it's, it's challenging, or because a friends doing it. And I also think um, that gave me an insight is uh, maybe that's why, because something worked for me. And I now I would never preach it because of what I do for a living and I know it's an individual but I can imagine someone else going through that and then that's it oh my god you need to try this yes paleo right paleo would be perfect uh, that, that's it but then you have other people on the fence go, no you need to have the carnivore diet you know and it's it's the opposite ends of the spectrum that are all going to the same thing which is it's a calorie deficit guys <laughs> Right? forward
1: And whatever way you can achieve that that works best for you like people will ask me about intermittent fasting and say, "Should I do this?" which for those for people who aren't aware it's only eating within a certain time frame so maybe you only eat from 10 a.m to 6 p.m and I tell people, "Hey, if you're trying to lose weight and eating between 10 and six works for you and you don't feel lightheaded low energy starving outside of that time frame great do it but if you try it and it's horrible and you hate and just life is not fun and you're just miserable don't do it there are i can give you 40 other ways to achieve a calorie deficit that is probably more suited to you right it's just figuring out which approach works best for you and there are endless approaches You know, at the end of the day, it's figuring out which one is the path of least resistance for you to get to that calorie deficit where your body still feels good. You're eating foods you like, but you're in a calorie deficit. doesn't have to be one specific diet for everyone.
0: Yeah, because I I find that they all... This, this brings it back to what we sort of first said, which is that diets themselves are not necessarily bad. Well, I don't have a problem with diets. I have a problem with diet companies that kind of you will pick a diet and sell that diet as the one formula. And right. in fact, it's just like you said, they all just tool to get to the same place, which is, burning more calories than you eat on a daily basis and feeling a little bit healthier in, in, in the process and yet all of them try and pull you away from that because that doesn't make money it's much easier going, no, no no i tell you what you need you need to try uh, keto and your body will go into a state of ketosis and that's it and your body will burn fat instead of carbs doesn't that sound great and everyone's like oh my god yes absolutely sign me up i'd love that people don't realize that your brain feeds on carbs what are you doing it's your body's preferred energy source <laughs> or you mentioned intermittent fasting which i do sometimes do myself but i know it's a calorie deficit and a lot of people go oh intermittent fasting um ketophagy you know and, and all that stuff uh, spirit cleansing of the body and i'm like no you're just skipping a meal guys you know <laughs> and and i do it because i own a gym i go to work at half five six in the morning for early bird clients so i can quite easily drink a black coffee fill myself up and i don't have to eat until probably about 11 12 o'clock and i'll have all my calories in eight hour window so it's a when i'm going through a cutting phase in the summer i'll do intermittent fasting right now i'm not doing intermittent fasting because i don't find it that enjoyable i like breakfast (laughs) you know so but i've seen that i've seen on my Facebook companies that are like, yeah, you need the 16, eight window. If you want to lose fat mm-hmm. off your belly, you need the, the nine, forgive my math, emily nine, window. If you want to lose fat from your, your arms, what?
1: <laughs> what? No, I can very confidently tell you there's no science behind any of those claims, none at all. That's just marketing. I'm trying to sell it. So yeah, it's tough. It's tough out there because not only are there so many different ways for people to eat in order to be healthy, but then there are all of these companies telling you that their way is the only way so at the end of the day people a lot of times people come to me and they just say i don't I don't know who to trust <laughs> right I don't know and I always tell them at the end of the day, you know trust yourself, trust with trust yourself knowing that the foods you put into your body that make you feel good eat more of that the foods you put into your body that You don't feel good after, even if it's quote unquote healthy food. Something going on there. Trust yourself that it's okay if I don't eat that my body's not responding well. And then trust the science and trust the experts, the people who use the science or you know, the science we have in the best way possible. So yeah, be careful what you see out there on the internet. It's it's a mess out there nutritionally.
0: Fantastic. And that was a good Spot to leave it on, Emily. I will let you go because I know you are a very busy woman. Thank you very much for um, coming on today because it's it's been a blast. And literally, it's literally like being speaking to a mirror. Uh, it, it. It's like I've just listened to myself have a conversation with myself in terms of the content uh, and, and the ideologies, which is fantastic. Uh, guys, go and make sure to give Emily uh, a follow. Um, Emily, put your plugs in. What? Where can people go and find you on, on your social media? What your handles? And also, where can you go and find your podcast, which I'm going to listen to? Is my new walk to walk the dog podcast? Because calling out BS is a bit of a favorite thing of mine.
1: Nice. I love it. Yes. So, if anyone listening is on Instagram, my Instagram is Emily underscore RD underscore. Um, My website, emilyzorn.com. That's Z-O-R-N. And yeah, my website or my, sorry, my podcast is called RDs versus BS. And you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple podcasts. We also have a website, BS.com. You can listen to it on there. And it's myself and another registered dietitian. And we talk about diets and supplements and diet books, all sorts of different things. And Look at the science, and then by the end of the podcast, decide whether it's legit or BS, and give it the BS stamp. So, we're on episode seventy-four. So, we've called out a lot of different BS. So, definitely, yeah, check that out.
0: Good, and make sure you go digging into Slimming World for one of your next episodes. I've added it
1: to the list. I have get that
0: on the list uh, yeah, because yes. wow, you 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 might you might be blown away. Um. Awesome, okay, make sure to go and check that stuff out and uh, show some love guys. Thank you very much uh for listening all the way. Thank you, Emily for coming on and um I will speak to you soon because you guys are go you are coming into my membership group quick plug on that guys seven day trial if you want to come and join you'll get in just in quick just quickly enough to have emily come in and take your questions as we as she comes in to talk about habits and we're going to elaborate a bit more on that so a little bit of an upsell for me though emily there you see what i did there
1: (laughs) i love it good for you i love it i love it and yes thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure
0: excellent okay all the best emily hope to speak to you again soon